Gee, behind it. Um, I'm just going to move that. We've been, last time I was here, we spoke through uh, 1 Peter. We spoke from a, a message from 1 Peter. Lakeside Church has been going through that for a, a number of months. Been some really good stuff in there. You're going to get another 1 Peter message this morning. We've been speaking for the last couple of weeks from, the, from uh, 1 Peter 4, verses 7 to 11. So one week I just spoke on verse 7. And verse 7 is, is this place where we see this, this crazy overlapping kingdom, this, this time where, where Jesus came on the earth, born of a virgin, came on the earth. He brought heaven near. He brought the kingdom of God near. Mark 1.15 says, The time has come, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. But that wasn't the only kingdom that was functioning at that time. The other kingdom that was functioning at, at that time, of course, was the kingdom of darkness. It has since the fall, and it is even now. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and ushered in the kingdom of God, and there's been this overlapping kingdom Ever since, and the thing about that we find out about this kingdom is that they're opposed to each other, and so as a result of that opposition, we find ourselves in spiritual war. In verse seven, it reminds us it's that this overlapping kingdom period is referred to as the time of the end, and when the people that Peter was speaking to. Way back then, he was saying the end of the time of the end is near. It's at hand. That, of course, is when Jesus returns. So the fervent hope of God's people way back then was that Jesus was coming. And that's our same hope today, isn't it? Our same fervent hope. And so until Jesus comes, we find ourselves in spiritual warfare. We find ourselves in this battle And sometimes we see it manifest in all sorts of different ways, but most often it's through godless men, men who have an agenda, a humanistic agenda or whatever it may be. But you know what? Sometimes the battle comes, this spiritual warfare comes from within the body itself. And Jesus warned us about that. He said there will be wolves in sheep's clothing from in your midst. Peter was speaking to the church about the persecution that was coming their way. Difficult times. And in the middle of this war, the manifestation of persecution, Peter's letter reminds us, you know what, hey church, hold on. Just, just hang in there. There's not much further to go. And this is not like, this is not like you know, just, just hide in the corner, just cling with your fingernails to the hope that Jesus is coming. No, this is a fervent hope. This is hang in there and do battle. Hang in there and pray power prayers for the time needs it. Fight the good fight. Don't give up. The end of all this painful stuff that we endure as brothers and sisters in Christ is just about And his instruction is, in the meantime, 
Use the self-control that God has given you. Use self-control that every faith-filled believer has as a fruit of being a Christian. The Holy Spirit fills us. And one of those components of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Don't you allow yourselves to be distracted. Don't allow yourself to be disempowered. Don't allow yourself to have a defeatist spirit. Fight the good fight. Stand in the victory that is already yours that Jesus has won, as we heard about on the cross today. We need to stand strong. We need to be seeking Jesus. We need to be weaponizing prayer. Pray power prayers, warfare prayers. Now with this in mind, if the devil's aim is to come against humanity, especially the church, that he might distract people away from Jesus, that he might distract people away from meeting together as the body of Christ, as our little skit up there on the, on the video showed us. If that's what he wants to do, what do you think is the way that he's going to do that? What is it that the church is built on? The church is built on relationships, isn't it? Love, that's right. Relationships, loving one another. It's relationships, us to Jesus. It's relationships in our Christian marriages and our families. It's relationships with the body of Christ here in this place today. And the devil would love love nothing less, love nothing more rather than to come in and cause division amongst the body. And Peter's going to help us with this vital area of our relationships today as we go through verses 8 to 11. And his instruction is not just for the most persecuted church. In fact, sometimes I think that the most persecuted church has got it together better than we do. We in the West. Sometimes I think the persecuted church really knows the value of relationship and this absolute necessity to stay one with each other. But we are a little less so in our Western church. And we can see that uh, so often. So open your Bibles with me. Just get ready and we'll, we'll, be, we'll be reading from verses 7 to 11 in 1 Peter chapter 4. And in the meantime, I'm going to pray. Father, we do thank you for the precious thing that we have, this relationships thing that we have, first and foremost with you. Uh, we have this relationship with you because we have relationship with the Son of God. But we realize also, Father, that those relationships that we surround ourselves with, uh, the Christian relationships, brothers and sisters in Jesus, our marriage relationships, Lord, these are vital things. These are precious things. And as we go through this message today, Heavenly Father, we are well aware that the spiritual warfare rages around us. We'd love to pull this apart. But Lord, we thank you for this timely word from Peter this morning. May it touch our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So 1 Peter, chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. Let's read it. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. 
since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that, in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I didn't have my PowerPoint little thingy up to uh, our desk lady early enough and so I didn't get it on. So you're going to have to use your memories today, right? I know, I know. So I want to bring three aspects of this passage out and they're nothing particularly startling because if you read that passage, you should be able to see them for yourselves and I'm sure you already have. But the first point that I want to bring out this morning is that the most important ingredient of maintaining and even growing deeper in our spiritual relationships, our Christian relationships, and I'm not going to tell you what that is until a little bit later, We'll see that what real love, we'll see, sorry, that real love looks like real loves when, when, we, when we lose our spiritual gifts. And finally, we're going to land in this place where we, we find out that the, what the ultimate goal of using our spiritual gifts is. So verse 7 was about using prayer as a weapon to keep strong in the battle so that we can stand strong and remain in, in, in a personally, spiritually healthy state of being. We use prayer to keep us in this spiritually healthy state of being. Verses 8 to 11 talks about remaining in and growing in good, healthy spiritual relationships. And that is a necessary order. You see, because if we, if we try to build good, healthy relationships and we know that personally we are not in a good, healthy state of being, heart and mind and soul then we're not going to be able to build good, healthy, spiritual relationships. The order is important. Now, understanding this, that the order of Scripture is important, this is going to be helpful for us as we go through verses 8 to 11. So we're going to have a look at the the, the most important ingredient. Verse 8, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Sounds nice, doesn't it? It sounds nice that, that to be in these love relationships that covers a multitude of sins. And I think that's really what we want. We want to be in authentic love relationships one with another. That's who we are as Christians. In a relationship that when I come and stand before you and talk with you, I, I don't feel that I'm being judged or I don't feel from my very own heart that I'm judging the person I'm speaking to because of love, that most important ingredient. We all know that loving one another is not as easy as it sounds. It sounds so nice, but in reality we all know that it's not as easy as it sounds. Self-control from verse 7 is the last in the list that we read in the Galatians list of the fruit of the Spirit. 
If we have a look in verse 8, we see that the first in that list is mentioned twice. Love. Love is mentioned there twice. Is it by accident? I don't think so. The Apostle Paul put it there first in the list of the attributes of the fruit of the Spirit. It's not a coincidence. There's no coincidence that love is mentioned twice in this passage in verse 8 because love is the most important ingredient. Love and self-control are the bookends. Love first, self-control at the end are the bookends of all the other attributes of the fruit of the Spirit that are essential ingredients for building and maintaining good Christian relationships. I don't know if you've thought about that. Now, we can't look at love without looking at the love chapter. Does anyone know what that is? 1 Corinthians 13? Yeah? Now, we're not going to read it all. I'm going to read through that, but I'm going to... I've edited it down for time's sake. 1 Corinthians 13, starting at verse 1, it says, If I have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. It's not what we want to be known as, is it? We we don't want to be known as Christians, followers of Jesus, those who the Lord loves as noisy gongs and clanging cymbals. We want to know that the words that we speak are power words, words that impact and change. If I have not love, I am nothing. And I gain nothing. Listen to the fruit of the Spirit here, the attributes of the fruit of the Spirit. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love rejoices. Love never ends. It is faithful. All of those are the attributes of the Spirit. Uh, the positive attributes of the Spirit. Love bears all things. Love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Pretty powerful thing, this thing called love, isn't it? Yeah. Love does not envy. Now, here what we see is the negative. We see the, the sin things. So, love does not envy sin. Love is not arrogant or it's not rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing. These are examples of sinful behaviors. And yet what we find is that when love is born out of the fruit of the Spirit, love covers a multitude of sins. All of those sins that if you notice them in somebody that you are speaking to, if you have love for them, guess what? You can cover those sins, they don't become any longer an issue for you. Love covers a multitude of sins. And in verse 13, So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Love is first on the list because it's the most important ingredient to build good, healthy Christian Relationships, one with another, inside this beautiful thing called the body of Christ. But love asks a lot of us. In verse 8 it says, Above all, keep loving one another. Keep loving one another. Like it's not something we do for a moment and then we pass over that person and we go and love somebody else. 
It's an ongoing, ever-present thing. It says, keep loving one another earnestly. And that word means to cast something out forcefully, like an anchor from a ship, cast it out. And that kind of makes me think about this. It says, keep loving one another as those who are anchored in love. Anchored in love. So that if a Christian brother or sister comes to you, and because of their reactions to the pressures of life that surround them, they come to you and, and, you, and they, they sound boastful or envious or rude or arrogant or they insist on their own way or they're irritable or resentful. Love them. Love them. It's not our place to judge. Love them because love covers a multitude of sins. Love us, a lot of us. It's not an easy thing. How many of us have come to church even today thinking, oh, I can't wait to see this person, I can't wait to hang out with this person, but that person, I'm not sure if I want to, I'll steer clear of that person. If your love is not anchored you need to pray power prayers. If you know that you have something against someone, you can't join with them for whatever reason, pray. Pray power prayers. God, help me with this. We need to do battle. We need to kick the devil out through inviting Christ in to make the changes he must to make your hearts for others what they should be. Let me say that again. Invite Christ in to make the changes he must to make your hearts to others what they should be. We need to pray. Being being anchored in love means to release our brothers and sisters that we are speaking with, to release them from our judgment of them. We need to release them for the sins that they have in their lives and we need to release them for the sins that they might bring against us. Love asks a lot of us. How is your heart this morning? Is there somebody that you are judging? Is that judgment getting in the way of growing in deeper relationships with people around you? And if there is, if if you have judgment in your heart, a critical spirit, whatever it may be, it's time to let it go. It's time to let it go. It doesn't belong here. It doesn't belong in the body of Christ. The devil will use it as as a foothold He'll use it to divide this beautiful body, the body of Christ. How many of you have come to church today carrying a pressure, a weight, a burden when you walk in this door this morning? And that person at the door used your name. They smiled with the smiley gift that God has given them. And that smile is the very thing that you needed 
to help you in that burden that you were carrying on the way in. That very gift that was used to brighten up your day. Who here has been to Kmart in Cairns Central? A few of you, yeah? Who here knows the big guy who stands in the front of Cairns Central in, in, in Kmart there and just uses his gift? He welcomes people in an amazing way. A couple of weeks ago, Karen and I were down there, a few weeks ago now, and I was watching him. I, was, I stayed outside while Karen went inside because sometimes when I go in, anyway. So, <laughs> and so um, I was just watching this guy do his thing. You know, and it really didn't matter who it was that walked into this place. It didn't matter whether a little old lady or a great strapping man. It didn't matter whether they came in with their rags or whether they dressed up, you know, in business clothes. It didn't matter whether they were uh, poorly looking or whether they were great big hairy bikies. He greeted them all the same with this incredible blessing welcome. And when they left the place, it was like he blessed them on their going out. And it was amazing. And so I thought, I went up to him in a real Aussie way and I said, mate, mate. I actually did. I said, mate, I tell you what, I've been watching you. And I know that sounds a little creepy, doesn't it? But, but I said, I've been watching you. I've been watching what you do and the way you engage with people. Man, that is a gift. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to write you into a sermon I'm going to do in a couple or a few weeks' time. Because we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts. And you have a gift. Now, I don't know whether it's a spiritual gift or, or what. Actually, I, I think it actually is. I think it's something that God has given this person. He did look at me a little bit strange, and we, we did talk. But, 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 you know, I had two minds then. I wanted to tell him about the, the incredible thing that, that I saw him doing, but I also wanted to bring Jesus into that conversation. I didn't, yeah, I, I didn't have my Bible, my little Bible with me, did I, Ted? I should have done. You know, I think sometimes we, we as church are not so good at telling people about the good things we see in them, are we? I was speaking to somebody at the school that I'm a chaplain at in Yungaburra. And this person started to tell me about a couple in Yungaburra church. She started to say, oh... These people have been part of our lives for such a long time and I see how this person works and I see the love from this person. He's telling me all these amazing things. And I said, have you told these people these things? He like, no, I haven't. So the first opportunity I had, I went to speak to those people and I said, this person has said this about you. Did you know? It was like, no, I didn't know that. You know, I think we need to do better at looking at people instead of judging them, giving them a pat on the back, and saying, I've noticed this about you. I've noticed this gift in you. I've noticed the love of Jesus in you, whatever it may be. Don't forget to do that. That's good. Sometimes we're so good at telling other people about it, but we don't tell the people that it matters to. Yeah. Spiritual giftedness is really, really important. 
Real love looks like real love when we loose, when we let loose our spiritual gifts. And I just want to talk about this briefly at the moment. We're not going to go into all the gifts. But we, we want to look in the context of uh, spiritual giftedness from this passage this morning of building healthy Christian relationships. Peter says, show hospitality one to another without grumbling. As each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another as God's stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves with the strength that God provides. This verse is straight up that every single Christian, if you are born again, if you are made alive in Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God has filled you, not if, if you have faith in Jesus, the Spirit of God has filled you and he comes with his gifts. Every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. Do you know what yours is? You've got to know what it is to serve with it, right? To serve one another. That's what it says. You know what? We should show our gifts off. Not in some way that makes us look good, but in a way that makes Jesus look good. We should show off our spiritual gifts. It says, be good stewards of God's very grace. Stewardship in the Bible means that you have an authority and a responsibility to use what God has given you to strengthen the body of Christ. To build up the body of Christ. To bless the church first and foremost. But also we have a responsibility and an authority to use this gift for those people who don't know Jesus. So that Jesus begins to shine in their eyes as well. But I think sometimes we have a couple of problems within the church. And this um, this is not... To, to bring anybody down is just a realisation of the reality, I think, is that sometimes we really don't know what our gifts are. And what happens as a result of that is that the church misses out. If we're not using our gift that God has given us, the church misses out. The reality is that we miss out too because it's when we use our gift that we are blessed. Another is that the full spiritual health of Christian relationships depends on us sharing our spiritual gift. Did you hear that? That our relationships depend on us using our spiritual gifts. So I have some questions. Do you know what your gift is? Think about it this way. If we want to go and buy a new car, ours is clapped out, we want to go and buy a new one. We don't just go up to the first car yard and say, that'll do, I'll take that car. We shop around. We do our research. We go on the internet. We go and knock on the door of the car yard. We go and speak to our friends. We look at reviews. We spend a large amount of time checking out this vehicle or many vehicles to find out which one will suit us best, the one that will benefit us the most but do we do that with our spiritual gift do we spend a whole lot of time researching our spiritual gift we probably don't we probably should so true think think about 
Think about our, our Kmart friend. I called him old mate last week, so... I'll, I'll... <laughs> Think about our, our Kmart friend. You know, he's a not a spring chicken. I don't know how old he'd be. Probably my age, maybe a little bit younger. That's pretty old, isn't it? Okay. And, um, and I don't think that this job that he has right now, this job that he's finally found his fit with, this place where he can really express his genuine heart, I don't think he came there, that was his ever first job. He'd been around, he's tried this job, and he's tried this job, and he's tried this job. He's served in so many different ways until finally he says, this is where I fit. And t- to the point where people will come and say, hey, would you like to come and work for us? And he says, no. Nah. This is where I fit. Do we do that as a church? If we're not really sure about what our spiritual gift is, do we go and knock on the door? Hey, Pat, can I come and try? I, 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 can I come and try in the music team? I'm not sure if that's where I fit. Or can I can I stand at the door and welcome? I'm not sure where that. But I tell you what: if you serve God, if you if you experiment like this, God will show you what your gift is. And when you start serving in that gift, you will never want to put it down. You will have the energy to keep on going. If you find yourself square peg in a round hole, you will eventually wear yourself out. You'll not enjoy it. You'll become embittered. But when you work in your gift, you won't be able to get the smile off your face. So first of all, it's time to get involved. We need to get involved in our church to... to, to see where it is that we just might fit. And then we need to spend time in that place. We need to serve the church. We need to, to, to experiment. And then when we find what that gift is, we need to get invested. We need to invest into the church. One last thing I just want to talk about with regard to spiritual gifts is that we need to use them without grumbling. Now, you'll see in the beginning of verse 9, it says hospitality, which is a gift of the Spirit. It's an incredible gift, actually. It's one of those power gifts that we can use for building relationships. But when we exercise it, if we open up our home with this heart of hospitality and we go like, look at the mess they're making in my house. Grumbling. He says, do it without grumbling. Do we look at them when these people, when they come to the table where you've got all this food spread out, we go, look at how much food they're piling on their plate. Use your gift without grumbling. If they spill their food in the middle of your floor, think, oh, I have to mop that up later. What a mess. Use your gift without grumbling. The kids are making so much noise. What are the neighbours going to think? Use your gift without grumbling. Don't grumble. When we grumble in our spiritual gifts, people will see through us. They'll see that our heart is not genuinely loving. They'll see through it. It's not good for deepening relationships. But more than anything, it dishonours God. God has given you a gift to use joyfully. And we should do so. Let's honour God and let's build up the body of Christ. Use our gift without grumbling. I wonder if you've thought about the fact that if you don't use your gift, you are letting the body of Christ down. 
Sometimes we can use relatively flimsy reasons for not attending church. But I wonder, have you thought about, if I don't go to church today, that person that they may very well need the gift that God has given me to share with them is going to go home without that happening. See, coming to church is not about you. You come to church to serve and not to be served. I think we've heard that somewhere else, don't you? In the Gospels we read in Luke, uh, in, in Matthew, Mark and John from Jesus' very own lips, the Son of Man did not come to serve but to be served, to give his life a ransom for many. Wow. Do we come with that same heart attitude? I think most of us do. Many of us do. Most of us do. You see, that's real love. And that's real relationship building. And finally, I come to the last point this morning, this morning really quickly. So finally, let me find out the ultimate goal of loving by the fruit of the Spirit through, the, through gifts. Peter says it so well, so plainly in the second half of verse 11. Just read this, listen to this. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him, not to us, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. See, it's all about shining our light through our love and the gifts for the glory of God. We pray power prayers so that we can stand firm in the battle for the glory of God. We love one another with rejoicing love for the glory of God. We receive the gifts that we have from the Spirit to use for the glory of God. We serve one another to maintain and deepen our Christian spiritual relationships one with another and within the body of Christ, for the glory of God. To Him belong glory and dominion and power forever and ever. Amen.